0: Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 43. So in this episode, it'll just be me, but I do have guests coming up next couple of weeks. One will be part two continuation, so I'll let you know when that's coming up. Well, certainly strange, isn't it, this world reality? never ceases to amaze me. It's not dull. I'll give it that. There's always something that is flashing in the news. There's always different types of anxieties and stresses that we have to face. We have to kind of strategize how we're going to get through life on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. The economy is all over the place. There's no question. Inflation puts stresses on easily 99% of the population. A large segment, I guess this depends on your region or probably what country jurisdiction that you're in. But a lot in my area live from Check the check, and it's staggering. The percentage, I think it's over 68, 78 percent. Anyway, it's quite high of how many people live from check to check, where someone might have 27, 30, 50 dollars in their checking account until their next pay period. So that is really cutting it close. If you have maybe a damaged tire, if you have your own automobile, one tire could be enough to put someone under from check to check. You know, tires are very expensive now. When I have to get tires on my vehicles, they're all well over $100 a piece. So I don't think... In tires, you can get low, medium, and high grade, or I don't know, they, they go by mileage. You can get a 30,000-mile, a 40,000, 50,000-plus-mile tire, but I, I tend to get the, the middle grade. I don't want the cheapest type of tread or tire design, but on my vehicles, it's always over $500 to get four tires. So I can imagine someone that's going from check to check. If they hit a curb or an object in the road and it, the tire's not be, able to be repaired, they wouldn't have a $120 or more for a tire. Or what if the hot water heater goes out? If If they own the house, if they're renting, I guess the landlord would be picking up that expense. But to be under that kind of stress... Month after month, year after year, would have to wear on a person to be limited in funds and then worried about unexpected expenses. We add on top of that food. I think food is really health care, but a lot of people simply can't afford health insurance. But even f- food is really getting expensive, well over. inflation I think food is really pushing 30% inflation and uh, that's gonna break the back of a lot of people it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight as far as inflation and then to exist food transportation get to and from work housing and like heating and cooling costs are going through the roof. I guess that's pun intended, going through the roof. If there's no end in sight, then, then your staples, just to get up in the morning and function on planet Earth in the, in the United States, it's, it's probably $60. It probably costs each and every one of us $60 just to wake up to exist fair minimum in the United States. So what happens if you don't have $60 coming in today? That's what it costs you just to wake up in the morning. So if you go two or three days, you're looking at 120, 180 days, three days. And if you're not working, then where's that money going to come from? So you can easily fall into debt and start digging a hole, a financial hole maybe like a bottom, bottomless pit. Well, with there's no end in sight, you, you can see the stress is something's going to give. And I don't know. I'm, I'm sure the government officials, especially the deep state, those that have been involved in government for decades and decades, it's, it's an actual career. They're never going to go anywhere. Uh, they have to have these figures and know, which makes me wonder if, Governments are getting more authoritarian, some could say tyrannical, authoritarian, and then using high-tech surveillance and AI, facial recognition, and central bank digital currency, where they might have the ability to squelch or try to manage uprisings as these anxieties and stresses continue to increase. I don't know because they're policymaking and budgeting and overall general governance, they're not addressing in, in inflation. They're not uh, addressing the problems with economies at all. So. These tensions, this freight train coming down the tracks, there's bound to be collateral damage. And there's different strategies. One is if you try to lay low and and get out of the way so you don't get run over, steamrolled, that's an option. But, you, you know, you even have to, if you try to get off grid, that's super expensive. People that have these social media channels these video channels and they're they're off the grid that's that's actually luxury because in most cases unless you're living in a van which would be difficult living out of a vehicle year after year and being able to bathe and cook and that's interesting and I, I, and young people are doing that I, I could see it getting harder and harder the older you get to try to live out of an RV or, or a van, but if you're if you're off grid and you have a homestead, then you'd have to you know own the property and then solar panels or some type of energy generation, wood stoves, and then raising animals, animal husbandry, your, your chickens or sheep, goats or cows. That's not cheap. You, you have to have money money to do that. You're probably looking at uh, even in, in simple, less expensive Midwest. States, $150,000, $200,000 just to get a, an acre, acre and a half with a small little cabin or a modular home. and it's So that's not an option for a lot of people to be off-grid and try to be self-sufficient. A lot of people that are in an urban area, they're limited, and the strategies will have to be quite different than country folk living in a more rural area. But the technologies that the Breakaway Society, I always call the Breakaway Society, the old term were, were elites. And People say, I hey, really shouldn't call them that because they're not elite. A lot of them are parasitic or they're old family lines and they got that wealth through acquisitions and murder and, and deceit, trickery. And then that wealth is kept in the family and passed on generation to generation. It wasn't legit how they got that particular status. But the controllers, the ones that are involved in decision making and they have close access to banking and government policy, and they're they're kind of above the law, you know that type, that group, whatever label you want to give them and they're they're everywhere they're in every country every ethnicity that you can think of they are very bold and brazen because they're making statements that they're godlike through genetic engineering now there's been advances and cloning 3d printing and and i don't mean 3d printing of plastics or other materials but 3d printing cells tissue life extension technology futuristic med beds type it's not available to us but that's kind of this breakaway society they fund and have early stages of this technology, that they're kind of braggadocious that they're able to make claims that they're godlike and they're having advances of nanotechnology, your supercomputers and they're getting into quantum computing, and graphene oxide and little tiny machines or robots, artificial intelligence. Space projects where they're able to have labs in microgravity that would be very expensive, unattainable for you and I or a startup company to ever have access to microgravity. So they b- benefit from this and they have their, their version, their ideas of future humanity. By all indications and forensic evidence, it's obvious that we're not included in that. And they've orchestrated social engineering, and they have in their arsenal Hollywood, the paid-for media, and controlling of banks and government policies to where they're really sabotaging the bulk of mankind living here on earth. So we we have a lot stacked up against us. Now, more information comes out and it takes time for evidence to develop and for research to be done, but those that are being affected by pharmaceutical solutions and the the damage, it gets widespread or large enough, you, you can't really sweep it under the rug. It gets more and more obvious. So the dying suddenly, and mysterious unknown causes of death, and then people who are injured, they're still alive, but they definitely don't feel right, and they have detectable damage that are done. And uh, as that information mounts, you're going to have a lot of anger around the world. When the control structure can't keep a lid on it, and when people find out that there's a potential that they might not live beyond five or seven years, and there's no technology to reverse the damage, then you'll have billions, with an S, billions of people. I can't imagine the emotion and anger that they would have. How You can't have a, I don't think you can. How could you have a stable society, a stable community, and people showing up, going to work, and commuting, and going to school? Not, not when that's on your mind, and your health is deteriorating, and you know you're Life is going to be rapidly cut short, so uh, I'm not looking forward to that aspect of the future. I think it's a very stressful, very disturbing. I think about that a lot, and as a research scientist, I, I've I warned about this three years ago. But when you're an early that early, no one took it seriously. Now, two and a half, close to three years later, you have. This evidence coming out, all this chatter, and people are listening. Three years ago, it was way too early. When I was giving everyone a heads up and the concerns, no one listened. And that's human nature. It's always never going to change. It's always going to be the case. That's why there's early adopters, early innovators, and uh, the masses always come late in the game. Same thing with information. By the time it hits mainstream news or is the chatter at the water cooler or in the cafeteria at work during lunch, then it's well-established. And it usually takes years for it to eventually be a conversation during lunch at work. The real issue was years prior to that. So by the time... What's the expression they say? By time the taxi driver gives you a stock tip, then you should have sold a long time ago because you've already reached the peak and then the collapse is right around the corner. So the 3D printing and the genetic experimentation is very interesting. When I did the... Episode on Outer Limits show, I talked about the pluripotent cells. There's a totipotent, there's multipotent, illegal patent, unipotent. These are stem cells, and some are derived from animals humans, embryos, but stem cells are theoretically neutral cells where they haven't received final genetic coding that would indicate what their final instruction should be as far as cell formation. So the the idea of genetic research or 3D printing, biological material, you'd want to catch stem cells as, as part of your medium. And if you're using a hydrogel matrix suspension to hold the 3D print material During its formation, you would want stem cells before they get code to become brain cells, neural network, bone, marrow, blood vessels, skeletal muscles, skin, organs. And it was thought that the stem cells were neutral. Catch them early enough, they're neutral. And then you can guide the stem cell as a neutral cell, 3D print, or encourage it with encoding to develop brain, neural material, bone, blood vessels, skeletal muscles, skin, organ. Some recent studies, though, have shown that when you have stem cell material, so if we go back to pluripotent, these cells can turn into almost any cell. They're from early embryo uh, where they're harvested. they are finding out that if they, they do 3D printing, such as an organoid, like a midbrain, automated midbrain organoid, then these 3D-printed cells spontaneously start energizing, so they're connected to the etheric field, and they start growing the neural fibers. But those cells that they thought were neutral stem cells, they actually, when they're 3D-printed and they develop, they still have a connection to the donor which i thought was amazing that would that would really make a good science fiction movie because if they used stem cells and had the technologies to print say lungs print a heart liver kid a major organ maybe an eye yeah, ear parts of whatever it might be, 3D print. Depending where those stem cells came from, if if that organ, 3D printed body part, is used, that individual could start having memories or a personality attached to the donor. And that's whether the donor's still alive or had died years ago. But the stem cells were preserved. You could have memories or personality traits of someone that's long gone. Or what's interesting, if the donor is still alive and then that's where stem cells, the medium material was derived from and a liver or kidney was 3D printed and successful in transplanting into an individual, would the person alive start getting feedback from the individual that had the kidney printed. So see how it could possibly go both ways. You're getting into, that's, talk about woo-woo, that's v- very strange as far as consciousness, the etheric field and cells, stem cells, and how they're assigned to the original and any Byproduct of that, the original, is still attached. I think just this isn't the best illustration, but it's close, close enough. Let's say you have a four-door sedan, and it gets into a a fender bender, and you go to a salvage yard, and you find a four-door sedan, same year, body style. Maybe the color's not the same, but you find a fender and a door because you're going to repair your automobile. So you pay the salvage yard for the door and the fender. You unbolt your door and fender that was damaged, put the use parts on so the car is made whole again and it's functioning. If it's the same color, you could maybe leave it, but if not, you paint it to, to match. And the car's repaired. You're back on the road. You're good to go. But the parts aren't all genuine because the door and fender were cannibalized from a donor car from a salvage yard. But it serves the purpose. The car's repaired, painted to match, and no, would, no one would know otherwise. Well, that, well that, that's no big deal. But we're talking about in a case where a human's involved, if the door and the fender came from a human donor and you put it on the car, now the car is behaving like the original owner of the donor car, which would be spooky. Well, that's, that's what happened. So it seems like if you're going to 3D print organs, then the stem cells would have to be derived, the base material, the matrix material, the medium would need to come from the one needing the surgery, needing the 3D printed part. Because then you're using stem cells that's used in printing, let's say the organ, and then as the organ that was printed is surgically installed in the human being, well, the s- stem cells came from you, so it still has the same VIN number, same identification. But they have stem cells, you know, from mice. In rats and in, in other animals. Well, now you're dealing with animal stem cells that are grafted into an organ printing, and that's through surgery installed in a human. I wonder how that works. Do you have influences from that animal? that somehow, somehow enters your consciousness. So you can, you can imagine, as far as the legalese or the, the, the ethics or morals, it just, it gets so complicated. You, you can never sort it out. You couldn't write a computer program sophisticated enough to cover all the what ifs and the angles. So I've always proposed man is way ahead of with their technology their research and development, their way ahead as far as what they can accomplish than they are spiritually, morally, or ethically. So, I don't know. I, I, I see major problems. You know the old story of Pandora's box. You open up Pandora's box and what comes out changes reality, maybe not for the better. And once it escapes this box, you can't get it back in. Or the genie out of the bottle, all those expressions. That's that's where we are. And they, there's no governance, so there isn't any laws to regulate this. I mean, your next question, my next question would be, well, if there are are laws, I mean, would they obey them anyway? Or would they just sidestep the laws? And if they got caught, just make a few phone calls and slap on the wrist, pay a fine and nothing ever happens. So, but right now there there isn't the legislation, the, the legislation, the laws aren't complicated enough for what's already being done. And who knows, on black projects, off-the-book projects, the military-industrial complex, what they've already accomplished, would make your hair stand up on its end. I mean, that's a given. So I don't know what the future holds. It'll be interesting. Interesting. I don't have a warm fuzzy feeling from a man's standpoint from society because it seems to be getting worse, not better. And there there isn't any governor, there isn't any guardrails, there isn't any breaks to this. It just seems to be going full steam ahead with no accountability. Just look at the last three years and then the the research that they're doing as far as getting messenger RNA, pharmaceutical designs, grafting it in food and produce or being able to aerosol it to where that technology could be administered or absorbed, whatever term that you want to use, without your permission, no consent whatsoever. So your your body could start to be genetically engineered and have nanotechnology bots Without you knowing it and reconfiguring the essence of who you are, you never gave permission. Where do they get that authority from? How, how would there ever be any discipline, consequences, or legal retribution for that? There isn't any right now. So it's the wild, wild west, and, and we are the lab rats now. We're free-range lab rats. That's what I call us free-range instead of free-range chickens where the population, you and I, we are free-range lab rats. And the technology might already be in us. The, the genetic alteration, a lot have volunteered to do that. So they signed and got injected and everything. They're, they're well on their way with this experimentation parts of transhumanism. Those of us who haven't, they're at the precipice if they haven't accomplished already being able to do that without our permission or consent. So I don't know how this ends up. If you look at ancient historical texts, scriptural references, it talks about getting so bad you'd have to have a non-human intervention. It is a strong possibility. And it's, there's logic to that. I can, I can see that. But that, that's a whole different Conversation. And that's, those are difficult to have because people get very emotional with their beliefs. And a lot of times, I think an individual is better if their belief system has flexibility. But usually, a belief system is very rigid and people don't deviate or change their belief system. And if you challenge that to any extent, then, you know, a bunch of fireworks go off because emotions are involved. And You can't have that kind of conversation. It's unfortunate, but it's very much so the case. But it would be nice and it would make sense if if a higher realm came to mankind's rescue, maybe, something of that nature uh, that, that would be comforting. Time will tell. We'll see if that event does happen. If not, if we're left from a human standpoint, man on man, I think we're all in trouble because no one is stopping these characters at all. It's continuing without obstruction. With no guardrails, no governance, no brakes. No consideration to ethics at all. And, And that's what scares me. So I kind of look at my past, where I'm at spiritually, and and in the back of my mind, I'm not counting on, I'm not making the assumption that I'm going to live to be a ripe old age like my parents. I don't know if we have that luxury or option, you know, to be 80 or 90, because I think bizarreness will hit, especially for me, I'm in my 50s, so I think it'll hit way before 30 years are up, as an example. So, I don't know if this episode 43 was of any help. I kind of use these as journals, a digital journal, kind of what's on my mind, uh, observations. I don't, I try to stay broad brushed on the general side for uh, topics of conversation, some things for you to think about or share the podcast with others. The solutions or answers to this would vary with the listening audience. Right now at this stage of my life, I'm kind of leaning towards hoping that that, that there's non-human, a divine injunction for help. I'm also looking, and this isn't anything revolutionary, But there is a lot of truth to just living each day to the full, not being overly anxious and not taking life for granted. You never know if you're going to be here tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. So live a day at a time and then build your character, your inward character as a human that's alive and energized. What kind of a person are you? Outwardly and inwardly. And what do you think is a good universal fit? So I was always thought, well, you want, you want to treat others as you'd like to be treated. Try to be loving and kind and forgiving. You want, you want to be cautious. You don't want to be naive. But from when you wake up to when you go to sleep at night and you reflect on your day's activity, How did you conduct your day? I I think of that all the time. Did I conduct my day where I helped individuals, where I minded my own business, I caused no harm, was I productive, things of that nature? If the answer is yes, then, well, that's about the best I can do. Can I repeat it tomorrow, the next day? Well, I'll try. If a day didn't go so well, and maybe I did cause some damage or behaved in a manner where I kind of regretted it, then can I repair? The damage. Can I apologize or try to correct what I did? And if it's within my power, then I'd want to get to it pronto, not delay. If I couldn't, you know, let's say you're just not that I do this, but say there's a type of road road rage driving, cut someone off, or vice versa, and you holler at the window or. Shake your fist or something. You might not ever see that individual again to apologize. And it's out of your control. But other than that, you could do self-reflect and try to work on how to be calmer or avoid the situation as much as possible. Reduce your anxiety, your stress levels. So that maybe a little more easygoing. That's what I found works for me. So not to ramble, but that's what I look at now. I'm like, I don't think, unless there's some type of intervention, there's no way I'll be 80 or 90. I think I'd be compromised without uh, viol- violating my free will, without my permission. I'll be compromised somehow or succumb to an en- engineered bioweapon or pathogen that knocks me out. So I just go day to day develop uh, my spirituality, my character, inward and outward, and uh, the chips will fall where they may. So whenever I do take my last breath, if, if there is a resurrection or another type of reality, hopefully I'm energized and I'm connected to to that, and I can experience consciousness and interaction again. And I certainly wouldn't want to loop or repeat because I haven't progressed or I haven't learned my lesson. I don't want to have to repeat anything. That's for sure. And I hope I get some kind of passing grade, C or better. That would be nice. Anyway, that's episode 43. I always encourage everyone to get as healthy as possible. I'm doing the intermittent fasting so i'm down to one meal a day i don't burn the calories like in my youth and i for me the three meals a day i think i was having too much caloric intake and then you know the shirts and the pants start getting tighter and i'm like "Eh, i don't want to do that so i'm working towards i'm not recommending this you have to see a professional Dietitian and doctor and all that stuff. But I'm down to one meal a day and I make sure it's a nutritional and then I want to get outside and walk more. I used to jog all the time, but now I can do brisk walks. And I think the sweet spot, really 40 minutes or more, 40 minutes to two hours, that would be fantastic if you could be outside 40 minutes to two hours. Now, if it's bitter cold and you have single-digit temperatures, Yeah, that that might be a little bit difficult winter. But the rest of the year, 40 minutes to two hours outside, just, just does wonders. If you're caught in an office behind a computer and commuting and everything, and 40 minutes is difficult, that's a tough one. You know, I would, just how I think, I'd be like, man, I don't know, I wonder if I could scale down my lifestyle and my status in society, simplify my life, maybe switch careers to where I'm not working 50, 60 hours a week and I can spend 40 minutes to two hours. Well, I did that. It took me years, more than 12 years to get to that point. But after 12 years, I did restructure my life to where I can have that 40 minutes to two hours a day being grounded in nature. And that to me is priceless. That has much higher value than plastic and leather. So I think I re- made the right move. But man, it was not easy. 12 years to you know get out of debt and simplify my life. It was like I was stuck in glue or flypaper. It was the hardest thing, which showed to me, I took that as, yeah, I'm on the right track. <laughs> if it's this difficult and the world matrix is trying to prevent me, I'm like, I must be on the right track. Because if it's this difficult, then it must mean it's leading to virtue, leading to a positive experience. So I kept plugging away 12 years. And it wasn't easy, but it was worth the fight and worth the struggle. So now I'm able to uh, eat a lot when I go on my walks and work internally and reflect on what's going on with society and make strategic decisions. And I have clarity. I don't have brain fog. And that's what I need at this point in my life. And I think this timeline where we are in human society, that's the place to be. So for whatever reason, I started when I started. So I'm there now. I'm not not complaining, but I don't think you have to wait till in your early 40s when I started. I think if you hear this podcast and and you're in your 20s or 30s, I'd recommend definitely start. Because if you could beat me to the punch by a decade or more, then congratulations. I That would be fantastic. I'd be very happy for you to be in that state. I waited. A little, I wish I started earlier. I had spiritual knowledge most of my life, so I had many decades studying that. But the physical aspect the plastic and leather getting out of debt that, that took me a while and i was just gradually sucked in being an entrepreneur and business expenses you know it just it's a slow creep where you get bogged down it's not like i ratcheted up my credit card because i had sports cars and wine and women and living the high life i never did that it, it was just const- before i became a research scientist i was in construction you know just construction equipment and workman's comp and truck payments and things of that nature bogged you down. So I had to restructure and disband that company, get back into being a research scientist, and keeping my overhead low. That's what I meant by that. So until next time, I'm going to have an interesting episode. 44 will be a guest, first-time guest. And I'm going to pick his brains. He's got a lot to bring to the table. I, always lo- I love doing interviews, get other people's perspective. A lot of smart people out there. And hear what he has to say. And then we'll have a part two, second interview. And more. More to come. So it'll be a combination of me by myself and then episodes with interviews. Take care. I wish everyone the best. Unusual times we're living in. It's like a roller coaster, isn't it? It's never a dull moment. So take care. See you on episode 43.